Hey there, we're Chris and Melissa Smith of FamilyBrand.com, husband and wife, parents of five, and we want to help you unleash the power of your family. And we know it can be so challenging raising a family where the return on investment is unmeasured and sometimes it feels like your efforts are completely unnoticed. It takes real courage and commitment and a long-term vision for what you are building. You're building a family. And as entrepreneurs, we always think it's so interesting how your brand at home is the one that you think about the least. But at the end of your life, it will be the brand that matters the most. And look, none of us want to wake up one day feeling like, man, we missed it. Like we missed this opportunity to create something really amazing as a family. So what you can expect from us are actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to become a better parent, a better spouse, and to build a stronger family. The world needs strong families now more than ever, and it starts right here with your family. So one of the conversations that Melissa and I used to have all the time when we, when our marriage was first starting to like really improve, we would always say like, how did we get here? Because <laughs> it was such a wonder to us because we were in such a bad place at one point, like a truly hopeless that we would ask ourselves kind of almost like, I don't know how you describe it, Melissa, like almost like <laughs> amazement and wonder, like is this real? Did our, our, is our marriage now really at a place where we really do just love each other and like each other and we're best friends? Yeah. And I, and I think for the longest time too, it was, it was like, okay, this is going to go off the rails again at any moment. Yeah. Probably. And, and we still have this conversation to this day, but there for a time we were really kind of like analyzing it, like kind of like reverse engineering. What did we do? Like, how did we go from a place of hopelessness to then starting to like not hopeless, but not, not great. And then how do we go from that to better? And then how do we go from better? And we were just always analyzing that. And, and I think it was this, go ahead. I was saying, and people are always asking us. So we're always trying to figure out what do I tell these people? <laughs> yeah. How do we help people? Cause they're asking us because, and, and you'll hear us talk about this more because it's something that a conversation we find ourselves in a lot. People are always asking us. And, and what's interesting is when someone asks us for advice or for help with their marriage or their family, we're always thinking, okay, but the advice we give them and the suggestions we give would depend a lot on where they're at. Like if they're in a place where their marriage is good, but they want more, that would be different than at the place if their marriage is just mediocre versus like they're at a place where the marriage is like feels hopeless, right? Like we would give different advice. And what's interesting is we have been, <laughs> we have walked every single one of those places where from hopeless to it's okay, to pretty good, to it's, we could have never imagined this. But I would say a surprise to us, and I remember the night this kind of hit us when we were kind of reverse engineering and, and kind of connecting the dots, looking backwards. One of the things that stood out to us was our marriage started to really become great about the time that Melissa and I started to really invest in ourselves. And that wasn't something that I had seen before or Melissa, but it was, I think up to that point in time, we'd spent the majority of our marriage trying to work on each other <laughs> and trying to change each other maybe. But as when, and, and I can tell you what, what started it for me was and I think Melissa was a lot better at this already than me, so I needed the most help. But I read this book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And there's a lot of great principles in the book, but the, the principle that stood out to me the most was you are 100% responsible for everything in your life. Now, that also coincides with the experience I had with our marriage counselor when I realized like I'm the author of my story. So I'm, th I'm having these like epiphanies, like you're the author of your story. You're 100% responsible for your life. And so I started thinking, well, if my marriage isn't what I want it to be, then I'm 100% responsible. But it was way more convenient and it was way easier at that point to actually just blame it on Melissa or blame it on other circumstances. But it was pretty confronting and humbling to, but also empowering because I was like, okay, if I'm 100% responsible for my marriage, then I, can, then I can start to work on it and work on me and stop trying to change Melissa. So that, that was the first thing that I would say stands out to me that 
I think one of the best ways to improve your marriage and have the marriage of your dreams and the family of dreams is to actually work on you. And for me, that started with taking 100% responsibility for my marriage and our relationship. And it coincides with a principle out of a book, The Go-Giver, which actually talks about how the idea of 50-50 win-win is actually a losing proposition. In our whole lives, we've been taught, oh, create a 50-50, create a win-win. And the reason they call it a losing proposition is a 50-50 or a win-win is basically you're only coming, you're only willing to go halfway. Hey, I'll come 50%, but you have to come 50%. And it's still like you're keeping score. And it's like, well, I came 50%. Well, how come you only came? And it still allows for blame. So they talk about in the book, the only way it's a win is if you just make it 100% win for the other person. So for me, it was a combination of starting to think, okay, I'm 100% responsible for our marriage and I'm 100% responsible to make it 100% win for Melissa, regardless of whether she reciprocates. Last week, we talked a little bit more about this, about, you know, depending on where you are in your life and your marriage, how you can maybe take it to the next, to the next level. And something we kind of briefly glossed over is this idea of improving, improving yourself, investing in yourself. So today, yeah, we do want to go a little bit, a little bit deeper in that because I think we needed it. We wanted to go a little bit, yeah, just go a little bit deeper because it has been so important, important in our marriage. We wanted to give it a little more, a little more focus because yeah, it's made such an impact and we'll do a whole this whole episode we wanted to do around that going a little deeper. And I think sometimes people would might say, well, okay, what does that mean? When you say, you, you, you know, work on yourself to create a great marriage, work on you. Well, how do you work on you? Where do you start? And how do you not feel guilty about it? Because I know that comes up for a lot of people. It's like, well, I, I want to hire a coach. I want to do yoga or meditation, or I want to, I want to do something that like really fulfills me, but I feel guilty about that. And how do I take time for that? And how do I justify that? Or yeah, how do I start to work on myself? Yeah. And so I think, I think, well, what's coming for me is very, the, I just think back to the very beginning when we were in like the hopeless, the hopeless phase of our marriage. I just remember for me, what, what investing in myself looked like at that moment was, so I had an 18 month old and I had like a four week old and Chris and I were separated and I was nursing the baby and it just wasn't, it didn't feel feasible for me like investing in myself at that moment was not going to be anything like leaving the home or taking a class or doing anything like that. It was just very much survival. But what I, one thing I do remember, and I don't remember if I've talked about this before, but one thing I do remember so clearly is feeling like I need to get to know myself again. Like, what do I even like doing? Like, what do I even you know, like eating or what songs do I like? What are my favorite songs? What do I, what books do I enjoy reading? And just really spending some time like with, with myself, just, just thinking about, about those things. And I think it's really interesting. I think my friend Abby Ayers, she posted this week on Instagram, something like a poll. I think it was her <laughs> that posted this, but it was, it was asking some questions. And one of the questions was in the last year, have you spent five minutes of time just alone thinking about about who you want to be and who you are? And like 50% of people said no, that they hadn't in the past year, even spent five minutes doing that. And it, it was just so eye-opening for me because I totally remember going so many years like that. You just are just so busy doing things. You don't even take time to think like, 
who am I? What do I want? What do I like? What are my goals and aspirations? So I think for me, that's kind of where where it started. I, I love this story. And I remember, didn't you get out like a big piece of paper? Yeah, I had. So we were, Chris and I were separated. <clears throat> and so in the evenings it, with like the two little babies, you know, they would go to bed. They were still both babies. And it was like, how am I going to fill fill my time? And I do remember several nights I had got out. I had these big like rolls of butcher paper that I had got, I think just for Tate to kind of scribble on and, and play with. But I got them, I got them out and I ripped huge long sheets out. They were like as tall as the wall, probably like six feet tall. And I just taped probably five or six of them to, to the wall. And I just started, like, I put like big headers at the top, like, this is the music that I like. And then the next one would say, these are the foods that I like. And this is like 2009. So at that time I was reading blogs. So I was like, these are the blogs that I like <laughs> and just different things like that. Like, and then, you know, as the day would, so yeah, so I just made big lists there. And then as the day, the days would go on and I would realize like, oh, I like the song or whatever. I would go add it to the list. And it sounds silly, but I think for me that had me really start looking like, who am I? It sounds superficial that that is what the, the stuff that I was consumed with, just those minor things like my favorite blogs. But it was like getting in touch again with what I liked and and who I was. And that's all I had the capacity for like at that time. It's awesome, Liz. Those were hard times. <laughs> Those were super hard times. Would you say that part of what you were doing and what I, and me, myself included, instead of spending the time to figure out like in your situation, like who am I? And, and looking from that, for looking for that fulfillment from within, you were kind of just like, well, I'll just like, I'll just expect that from Chris. Like Chris will be my fulfillment. Like Chris will, like our marriage will like, does that make sense? And how sometimes I think as couples, we do that. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I'm expecting you to fulfill me. I'm expecting you to make me happy. I'm expecting you to give me some sense of identity. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think too, recently we went to, um, Chris and I went on a getaway to Nashville a couple weeks ago. We learned about the Enneagram. And so my, just who I, I Enneagram is a personality. It's like a yeah, personality test. And so I don't want to say that I've put myself in this box, but it, it has been interesting to like learn about these different personalities. And, and I do identify with one, you take a test. So According to the test, I'm a type nine person and a type nine person is like super easy to be with, kind of like go with the flow. And I guess I could see like looking back, I'm like, I just allowed myself to just go with the flow as much as anything. It was like, which, what do you mean? Like meaning like you just like as a nine, they, they say also you just kind of, you just lose who you are. Yeah. It's easy to just go with what anyone else wants. So I feel like looking back, I'm like, we always just, I didn't, I didn't even realize it was happening, but I feel like it was always just kind of what maybe you wanted to do. And it was all about that. And so then you didn't have a, feel like you had a voice or. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't feel like it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, okay, that's probably why, why that happened. And I had these like tiny babies, two of them. It's like, you have to give up some of yourself a little bit in order to care for these, for these little people. So it was just learning again. Like, yeah, what, what do I like? It's awesome. I think my version of that was that I went and met with a counselor personally and, you know, made a financial investment that like we, we didn't have the money at that time to invest in counseling, but it was, he was really honest with me. He was really like, he, he was really kind and loving and a powerful leader, but he's also really honest with me and challenged me to look at like who I was. And 
had challenged me to get clear on like what I really wanted in my life and in my marriage and in my relationship and in my health and just my business. And it was a version for me of like, yeah, finding out like, who am I? Like, what is important to me and how do I, but I think it's so dangerous when we get into a, a relationship and we start, we stop investing in us because again, you know, one plus one can equal negative one or one plus one can equal three. So like two whole people make up more than just the number two. Like it's this multiple multiplication effect, but I think two people looking for each other to fulfill the other and just looking to the other person or the marriage to, to do it all. It, it kind of creates a deficit. It's like a one plus one equals negative one. Yeah. I like how you realize that. So one, th- one thing is really f- like going back. So this idea of how, do, okay, how do I start to work on myself? Right? Like we talked about last week's episode, if you're in that phase of just kind of existing and you want so much more for your marriage, you know, maybe instead of trying to change the other person at first, it's like, work on you, get in touch with who you are, revisit the things that you love to do, revisit the things that bring you joy and happiness and fulfillment. And like, and then also on a bigger level, maybe you think like, am I doing the thing that I really feel called to do in my life with my time? Like whether that's your career or your hobby, your interests. And then a big one for me is like, maybe consider what it would look like to take hundred percent responsibility for your marriage and what it would look like to make it a hundred percent win for that other person. And again, I think Melissa and I say this a lot on, we recognize there's also situations in marriages where it's almost an impossible situation where the other person is not willing to do anything. They're not willing to contribute or it's unhealthy or it's unsafe. And like my heart goes out to you. And if they're in that situation, cause I know that it's tough also, it's tough to create, you know, with someone who doesn't have the desire to, but I truly believe that any two people that have the desire and are willing to work on themselves and find out who they are. I would also say that Melissa and I have had a history of, as we've gotten more comfortable and I guess a little more being been willing to take risks to invest like financially in our development. I don't know. Most wouldn't you say we've always seen like payoffs from that? Yeah, totally. I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to just maybe just spend a minute say like, okay, what else? So that's kind of where we started. It was just a realization like, okay, I got to, for me, it was more like, I got to know myself more for you. It was more like, okay, I got to take responsibility. And that was like the initial thing, but yeah, let's talk more about what, what it looked like beyond that, like actual things we've done. Yeah. I think for me, the progression was once I, once I was willing, really willing to take responsibility for hundred percent responsibility for the marriage. And I was, I was willing to make it hundred percent win for Melissa. Then it was kind of like, okay, but you got to get clear on what you actually are going to create. Like you, Chris Smith, independent of anything. And I, I first, the first investment I made was in a marriage counselor. Um, then I hired my first like coach mentor. And it was every time, every time I made a financial investment, I, it wasn't like I had this like just cool stock of, you know, hidden cash of money that was just easy to, it was always a risk. I was always usually putting on a credit card. And we took out my, uh, I had some type of an IRA from, I think you had a 401k from being a nurse. Oh yeah. It was a 401k. And we both had IRAs. We drained those. Yeah. Drained your 401k. And all of that money went to investing in our personal growth. To our, yeah. To like our marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. But you think about the return on investment from that. It would have been really easy though. And I remember we had discussions like, man, are we really going to pull the money out of these IRAs and pay these penalties? And are we really going to drain your 401k? And like, is that the wisest thing to do? I wish you wouldn't have had to, but I feel like we were at the point where it's like, okay, this is. But looking back now, it's like, I would have, I would have taken 10 times of that out yeah. to know what it could, you know, what, what it's created. Totally. I remember the first time I really made a business investment in myself, like mentoring. And Melissa, when I said I made it, we made it. I got invited to go to this three-day event and it was 
I was going to spend more money than I'd ever spent on anything. And it would kind of blew our minds that we were really going to do this. But someone who believed in us kind of was a cheerleader for me. Like we talked about when you're in that stage of wanting to believe you need someone in your corner cheering you on. Mm -hmm. I had that person like, you need to be at this event. I don't care what it takes. So that person loaned me a little bit of money. We had a tiny bit of money in our bank account and we were literally going through all of our credit cards and whatever had a balance on it. Do you remember the night I called to pay for it? Yeah. And the lady was like, uh, I could tell she was like, should I be letting you into this event? Is this financially responsible with me? Cause I was like, put my hand over the phone and be like, Melissa, grab the other credit card. That one, the balance is maxed out. <laughs> Those were the days. But we, but we both like, we're like, no, we, we believe that this is going to pay off. And that, that really, that weekend launched the campfire effect, like the momentum that was created out of that and the money that I was able to generate. But it, now we, we were, we were doing it, but it, it was really like a big, like, I'm going to invest in, in me. Right. And it doesn't always have to be that, right. It doesn't have to be, but I think it's interesting the things that we're willing to spend money on sometimes, but not invest in our own development, like not invest in our own growth, our own leadership. Totally. I saw a meme, I guess you would call it the other day, and it was just someone saying, oh, I got the new iPhone, but, and then also saying, I can't afford to invest in, in my business or whatever, because, because I just, or, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was like, I'll pay a thousand dollars for a new iPhone, but I'm not willing to pay. $400, you know, for this personal investment. I just thought it was like, how, how true that that does, that happens sometimes. Would you say, like, would you agree with the statement that maybe like one of the greatest contributions you can make to your family is investing in yourself? Yeah. I I don't think I would have, but looking back, I would say yes. Because it seems so counterintuitive, right? Like, it seems like by investing in you, it's like, that's money you're taking away from your family. That's money that could be going towards family necessities or kids activities or like piano lessons or whatever it is. But I think it's a really difficult thing for us to do, but I don't think it's selfish at all. I think it can obviously go to that extreme just like anything can. But I also know that like Melissa started investing in some coaching and mentoring of her own, like went to a leadership program. You know, we did some of that together, but she also did some of that on, on her own. And I, it's paid huge dividends for her. I've seen it pay huge dividends for our marriage. I've seen it pay dividends for our financial situation. I've seen it pay dividends in the sense of like the example she's setting for our children. But I would say I only did that because I saw you doing it. Like you were absolutely the first one that, that was willing, that was willing to do that. And I think that's a lesson too. You know, even if, if the other person in, in your relationship maybe isn't to a point where they're, where they're wanting to improve things. I think me just seeing you wanting to invest in yourself and, and better our family and our relationship had me be, I don't know, definitely had me, had me do it. Cause I, I am definitely the type that would be like, no, I'm not going to spend, spend the money on that because I don't know if I'll have a return. I don't like, yeah, I just couldn't see that it would be useful. And I think we've been that for each other though. Like I think at the very beginning we were really struggling, even though we were separated, I got the sense from you that you weren't like waiting around for me. Meaning you were, you were like, I'm going to figure out who I am. I mean, cause you were doing all of that, like in the time that we were separated. Yeah. And I think maybe for a period of time there, you were kind of waiting around and it's like, no, I'm going to go be a leader in our, not, not that that was your conscious thought, but that's what, that's how, that's how it occurred for me. It's like, wow, Melissa, like it was you getting in touch with who you were. And like, I saw the butcher paper, <laughs> I saw these things <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was an example to me and I wanted to do that. And then maybe for on the flip side, maybe I had the courage first to go like really make like financial investments in my dream of what I wanted to do for my business. And you saw that. And then, so I think you, but what, but again, that's, what's so interesting is we were, we were 
dramatically impacting each other in our marriage, but it was by taking responsibility individually. Yeah. I remember you said that there's um, a few other things that, well, something that I'm thinking about. And then I know you've said um, one of the very first things that you did was also your physical health, like taking, decide, making some decisions around that. So I'd love to hear you talk about more about that. But then the other thing that comes to mind is we, I think also, this is all going to sound like a lot of information, but I think there's just a lot of different little touch points that, that I think had to happen. And one of those was we were in a lot of debt. And I think when we got really serious about getting out of debt and taking more control over our finances, I know we just talked about how we were spending a lot of money to do this type of investment, but I think we did that and we were getting Mm. out of debt and taking control of our, of our financial situation as well. Yeah. I would say two things. We, We started becoming responsible about our spending and started to become more proactive about investing. So we saw those those things that we were spending money on to like better ourselves. We saw those as investments. But then there was also a lot of things we just spent money on and didn't even want to look at it. We didn't want to be accountable. We weren't good stewards. And Melissa definitely led the charge on that, like for sure, and took personal responsibility for it. And I saw that and it made me want to like follow along. And I would say, yeah, like I just started, I just had this realization one day that if I can be disciplined around my physical health, I think I can be disciplined around anything. Because I think it's the hardest thing to be disciplined around personally. I think it, I think I could even be more disciplined around budgeting than <laughs> health and how I eat. And like, and I know that at first I think it kind of bothered Melissa that I would spend money on like a gym membership, like nutritional supplements, food, because she was really trying to like get things in order. I was the the budget girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I I saw that that created momentum in so many areas of my life. It was another way for me to take personal responsibility. It was another way for me to invest in myself. And look, I think I think there's something, if anything, there's something psychological that happens when you invest in yourself, when you bet on yourself. Because what you, whether you believe it or not, what you are saying to yourself when you bet on yourself and invest in yourself is you're worth it. Or why, where else, why else would you make the investment? Like when I invested in myself to go to that three-day conference and spent that money, there was this pressure and there was this anxiety. There was this like, I was terrified. And there was something in me that was like, I'm like, I'm going to kill it. Oh, I remember you saying that. You're like, because the money that I'm spending here, I'm absolutely going to go and create that much money and more this weekend. And maybe that, maybe it starts small. It doesn't have to be these big things, but I think when you, I think when you make a financial investment in your development, in your happiness, in your joy, it signals to yourself that you're worth it. And that, that can create like some momentum that starts to like spill over into other areas of your life. And, you, and it's so worthwhile to your family for a number of reasons. One, obviously a more fulfilled, happier, stronger, confident you is just going to show up better in a family, but you're also setting an example for every other member of your family. Like you're, you're, what you're saying to your, your spouse, your children is like, they're watching that and, and they are watching and they're being inspired. Like, wow, I see my wife like going for it in this certain area or like really going all in this thing that brings her joy or investing in yourself like that's contagious in a family and it starts to spread yeah absolutely and so i think for every for every person the journey is going to look different like when we say oh invest in yourself or work on you or work on you yeah it'll it'll look different those are just some things that it looked like for chris and i am but i think the first step is yeah really getting clear what what do you want well i think i think it's a what you what you started with might be the most important thing maybe a little formula is like Again, and this is if you find yourself at that place where it's like, 
that place of hopelessness, or you're just starting to crawl out of that. And it's just kind of, you're just getting by in your marriage, just kind of existing. I th- yeah, I would say one of the most powerful things you could do in the beginning is like, okay, who am I? Like, wh- like go back and get reconnected to you. What brings me joy? What makes me happy? What fulfills me? Like, what do I feel called to do? What are my hobbies, my interests? Second, and this one's hard. It was hard for me. Is like, then be willing to take hundred percent responsibility for the role you play. Like, and realize that there's no such thing as a 50-50 win-win. It's 100%. And then the third thing I would say is start making some investments. Time, money, whatever it is. But like invest in you. Invest in your development. Invest in your skills. Invest in your hobbies, your interests. Because you're worth it. I keep wanting to sing that song. Baby, you're worth it. <laughs> I'm worth it. <laughs> oh, you're and, crazy. And just to reiterate what you just said. When we say investment, maybe you're not in a position where you feel like you can invest financially. Oh, yeah. It might be butcher paper that you have lying around the house. That's your investment. Yeah. And it's the investment of time that it's taking to write on that butcher paper and to get clear. But wherever you're at, whatever that investment looks like, make make the investment. I think you'll find that it's worth it every time. Last thing I would say on this is, I know we've been talking mostly about husband and wife, but when you look at your children too, then then you start to realize like, man, what, what can I do to help each of my children? invest in their own gifts, in their own development. Because again, it, strong families are made up of strong individuals. And, and I, I, I know all of us have heard this quote, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But I reframed that a couple of years ago because I had this thought, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts if all the parts are whole. Because I've seen situations and even in our own family where the whole is less than the sum of its parts. It's almost like because of whatever's going on with us, we, we kind of cancel each other out and create a deficit. But like strong families, in my opinion, are made up of whole individuals. And that doesn't mean perfect, but people who are like striving to be whole, like striving to take responsibility and invest in themselves. And yeah, I hope you found some real usefulness in this. It really was. And again, not something we would ever thought of. Like at the time, Melissa and I, Melissa and I weren't consciously sitting there like, you know what? I think if you invest in you and if I invest in me, I think we'll be stronger together. I think we'll create a really, <laughs> a part, a part of us, our survival. It's just something looking back on later that we've realized like, wow, that was there's no coincidence that about the time we started doing that, things really started to change in our marriage. Guys, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com, forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life and your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.